You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Tuscaloosa, it is time once again for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, your trusty, trusty if not talented host of the program. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolates here, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North out there in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Some exciting new products, new treats we're going to tell you about. As we get you ready for Christmas 2020, I know you cringe a little bit when you already hear the Christmas talk, but it is November the 3rd, people. It's going to be here before you know it. And Peter Brook Chocolates here with that peppermint bark among its arsenal during the Christmas season. That white chocolate with the peppermint bits in it. Oh, talk about addictive. That's Peter Brook Chocolates here, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program by producer Jacob Harrison, who together... We combine to form the 60 little bit of Sports Talk Radio. Jacob, how you doing this morning? Doing all right, making it through. Did you uh, did you already hit the polls on this election Tuesday? I tried to, but uh, only had about 30 minutes between uh, dropping one of the kiddos off at a school and getting to the station, but hopefully I'll be able to get there soon. Yeah, the wife, the chocolate lady, and the uh, two daughters, they were bright and early. Well, the the wife and the uh, youngest daughter, they got to the poll in our area, the polls, at uh, right at 7 o'clock, but the report I got was it was just tremendous turnout, which is awesome, which is awesome, because I'll tell you, all too often in my life, I've been very apathetic about even presidential elections, but uh, people are fired up, man. No matter what you think of these last four years, it's definitely gotten people more interested in the presidential race, apparently, among other things, of course, maybe a pandemic, some other items of interest. But hopefully you're out there getting it done. Got some uh, big elections today. So uh, I'm with you, Jacob. I haven't done it as of yet, but I certainly have it on the afternoon agenda. What I have heard is that the lines are moving pretty rapidly, which is a compliment, a testament, a testament to these outstanding folks who volunteer their time to make sure we're able to uh, to make good on our privilege, really. And that's our right to vote. And so hopefully you'll take advantage of that coming up 
later through the day. If you haven't already, maybe you've already got your I Voted sticker. You know, a lot of folks like those I Voted stickers. Good for you. You deserve it. You know, it's an accomplishment. It's a nice thing. It's what we need to do here in this country. You know, um, what we did last night on Election Eve, totally unscripted. I was talking about Peter Brook. Peter Brook is going to have these. I don't know, Jacob, if you've seen them. They're gaining in popularity, it seems like, quickly. It's like a chocolate ball. It looks like a lacrosse-sized ball, and it's chocolate. But inside the, the chocolate ball is like a cocoa mix for hot cocoa, and then marshmallows. The miniature marshmallows are inside the ball as well. And you heat up some milk, and you either drop the ball into the hot cup of milk for your, or, or you pour the milk, the hot milk, over the chocolate ball in the cup. And what happens is the chocolate milk melts the exterior of the chocolate ball, and then it just sort of magically, magically produces this outstanding hot cocoa with the marshmallows coming out from the inside. So we did one of those at Casa de Ryer last night. And, of course, the daughters, man, they're all about the TikTok, right? And so they've got the TikTok. They've got the video rolling, and they make a TikTok out of it. And from what I understand, anyway, I'm not TikTok guy, I guess, as much. But what I understand is that the video on TikTok, as of this morning, had 1.4 million views. <laughs> so whatever that means, it's pretty you know, good. send me a check. What's that? That's pretty good. 1.4 million views on that chocolate ball, Coco. And, uh, you know, my response is, okay, well, where's the check? You know, the daughters are all fired up. You know, you're... You guys are you guys are TikTok fans. Yeah, great. Where's the residuals from TikTok? They don't seem to show up so good in the old mailbox. 205-342-9904. That is, speaking of the way, Peter Brook, speaking uh, of Peter Brook, that is the Peter Brook Chocolatier Studio Line. We'd love to hear from you on a Tuesday. We got Brent Beard coming up in our very next segment. We're going to go around the Southeastern Conference with Brent Beard. As we get you ready for a weekend that is pretty much in the league all about Florida and Georgia down there in Jacksonville, which, of course, is home to Brent Beard. So he'll give us a little bit of a local feel in the buildup to the Gators, the fighting Gators and the Georgia Bulldogs. We got into some of that yesterday, the Dan Mullen situation. What a joke. Clown show, Dan. And Georgia beset by some defensive injuries coming out of that win over Kentucky, including the motorcycle incident accident involving starting safety Richard LeCount. So we'll see how the dogs progress throughout the week. And i tell you what else I'm going to do with Brent Beard. You won't hear this on any other show, by golly. Promise you this. I'll make the case for Vanderbilt at Mississippi State being a huge game. We're talking about the worst team in the East and the worst team in the West, but I'm going to make the case for, especially from the Mississippi State perspective, Vanderbilt in Starkville this Saturday afternoon being absolutely colossal for the Bulldogs. We'll do that with Brent Beard coming up in our next segment as well. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. Hey, uh, Pac-12 going to crank it up this week. What is your fired up level registering at with the Pac-12 coming online this weekend? Going to be interesting Saturday. You're probably going to have to 
sort of sort of check your old guide there on the cable a time or two because you're going to have Arizona State at Southern Cal for an 11 a.m. Central kickoff. And so when you see that one, I guess that I guess that'll be Fox. I'm not sure. I need to check FS1, something like that. Um, I guess it could be ESPN. Maybe I don't know. I need to check the listings. But um, Arizona State at Southern Cal, 11 a.m. Central kickoff. The Pac-12 trying some of those 9 a.m. local time kickoffs. So out on the West Coast, they're in L.A. at the Coliseum, bright and early. I mean, you talk about a wake-up call for those teams. If you're kicking off at 9 a.m. local time, don't you have to get up at like 6? Because those guys got to eat. You know, the big guys that got to eat, they got to fuel up a little bit. And you got to get to the stadium. You got to get ready. You got your pregame. That's got to be like a 6 a.m. wake-up call, doesn't it? At the latest. So you'll have the Pac-12 with that interesting matchup. Clay Helton. Clay Helton with Keaton Slovis and that Southern California team that Alabama was supposed to see in Dallas to open the 2020 season. Well, that seems like 30 years ago now, doesn't it? When that game was supposed to take place. Uh, but instead, it'll be Arizona State in a conference tilt for the Trojans to get that season underway. Um, some other things we want to get to on the program today. You know, we had winners and losers on Monday, but we kind of had a spillover from that, from the weekend. We talked about Tua. We talked about Talia. Um, we talked about the COVID-19 positive test in the National Football League from the last few days, including Marlon Humphrey, the Alabama product, the all-pro corner for the Baltimore Ravens and how that's going to impact things. Tom Brady last night, by the way, getting it done in a comeback fashion. Do you really need to come back, though, against the lowly New York Giants? Oof. That was the case last night. Bucks got the job done, had to survive a, a late touchdown pass from Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold right now, Jacob Harrison. If I asked you to pick a starting quarterback from the city of New York in the National Football League, highly drafted a few years back, both these guys, would you take Sam Darnold or would you take Daniel Jones right now? Who's your pick of those two? Well, the rumors are already pretty rampant that Sam Darnold's going to end up a Steeler anyway, so I think I'd take Sam Darnold. He's not the problem for the Jets anyway. It's Adam Gase. I think both guys have a bright future, though. You do? You know, Jones turns it over, turns it over a good bit. And I think we even heard, didn't we hear with Sam Darnold coming out of USC, some Roethlisberger sort of comparisons in his style of play, it's easy to kind of look at him and maybe think of Ben. And I'm with you. I would go with Darnold. I've even thought about the possibility of my Jaguars potentially ending up with Sam Darnold. You know, I said it yesterday. If the Dolphins are really, really using this stretch of this season as a partial audition in some ways for Tua Tonga Viola, I'm good with Tua too. You know, because my guys this week against Houston, you know who my guys are starting this week at quarterback? Jake Luton, sixth-round pick in the 2020 NFL draft from Oregon State. That's my quarterback this week with Gardner Minshew out. So I would probably take either of those guys. But, yeah, I would tend to lean more towards Sam Darnold. But um, So there you go. A little bit of the Gotham quarterback comparison for you here on the program. We know you tune in for that sort of analysis. But uh, what do you think about also 
mean, we're really getting standalone football now, right? I mean, we had the months, and it was fun, don't get me wrong, especially when football, the NFL, and then the college football season uh, got going. We had so much happening on a daily basis between Major League Baseball, between the NBA, football, even professional golf you were taking into account. You had some major championships and tennis that were contested. Do you like it better this way, Jacob, with football as sort of the standalone uh, item that we're interested in right now? Or did you like it when we had so many things coming together at once? Which uh, which setup for sports did you like better? It's it's always a little bit more interesting when there's constantly sports on. You know, every single day of the yeah. week there's sports on. But I'm generally just – I'm a good old gump. I'm, I'm just football all the time. So uh, generally it's just going to be when it's football. It seems like we have two weeks between sporting events now, though, doesn't it? Because we don't have everything happening every day. You know, you get to catch your breath a little bit and um, with football right now. Now, you're going to have the Masters cranking up next Thursday. I'm excited about that. So you will have a major championship of note contested uh, the weekend after this, coinciding, of course, with Alabama's road trip to LSU, and with that, you'll have LSU-Alabama at 5 Central coming off that third-round coverage of the Masters on CBS. But, uh, you know, I think what made it easier, too, for the consumer with the confluence of all the sports coming together like they they did was social media, right? You could kind of manage it all. You could give at least partial attention to all the different things going on just because – you know, highlights, updates, you know, obviously you couldn't sit around and watch it all at once. At least I couldn't. But with social media and Twitter, you got the information as you needed it, which uh, pretty much seems to sum up our society in general these days. Going to step aside for a first break. When we come back, it will be time for Brent Beard. We will tour the Southeastern Conference with Brent Beard, College Sports Today and First Coast News, when a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports presented by Peter Brook Chocolates here returns right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider for Alabama athletics. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama football's Malachi Moore was selected as the Southeastern Conference Freshman of the Week, the league office announced on Monday. The honor is Moore's second this season, as he also picked up league honors following the Texas A&M game. The first-year defensive back played a key role in shutting out Mississippi State's high-powered air raid offense. Moore made a team-high eight tackles, including one for a loss, while adding two pass breakups. Moore joined his teammates in forcing Mississippi State into a 28-48 of 48 passing night for only 163 yards passing with two interceptions. I'll have more in a moment. You hear a lot today about the Bama factor. Well, what exactly is it? It's a saying that Coach Saban uses constantly. It's actually what the program is built on. Commitment, discipline, effort, toughness, and pride. Well, at Dex Imaging, we believe in these same principles. To be the very best we can be, day in and day out. So for all of your business office solutions, put Dex Imaging to work for you. Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider of Alabama Athletics. The Alabama coaching staff selected 18 players of the week following the Crimson Tide's 41-0 shutout of Mississippi State last Saturday at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Evan Neal and Devontae Smith on offense. Christopher Allen, Will Anderson Jr., Christian Barmore, Brian Branch, 
DJ Dale, Christian Harris, DeMarco Hellams, Josh Job, Federian Mathis, Malachi Moore, Dylan Moses, Patrick Sertan II, Daniel Wright, and Byron Young on defense, and Jace McClellan and Will Reichert on special teams all earned the recognition for their play against the Bulldogs. And that's your Bama Update, Crimson Tide Today, brought to you by Dex Imaging. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports. Nothing but sunshine today. Tuscaloosa's high at 67 degrees. Tonight, not as cold as last night. Clear with a low at 40. We stay dry tomorrow and Thursday. The sky's sunny both days. Highs ranging from 71 to 74 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide. Southern Fried Sports right here on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. And as we typically do at this time on Tuesdays, we head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. Check in with our good pal Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News. He is down there in the epicenter of the <laughs> biggest game in college football. That, of course, this week being the Florida Gators and the Georgia Bulldogs set for the banks of the St. John's River right there in northeast Florida. What about it, though, Brent, as we bring you on here? Just a totally different buzz and sort of feeling, I got to think, surrounding the world's largest socially distanced <laughs> cocktail party this year. Well, only around 20,000. Uh, we'll be able to get into the game, so that will take a decent amount uh, away from it. I'm curious how close people are going to be able to be uh, to that area. Now, there the, the normal stuff like RV City will not be happening, uh, so it, it is very different. But, Trev, the thing that's ramping it up is Gator fans think, some know, that they have a real opportunity to win this game, uh, or at least they certainly think they do. So uh, I, I think I think you've got a lot more excitement from the orange and blue side of uh, Tuesday right now than, than you do the red and black. So uh, that maybe maybe not the usual festivities, but uh, the, the excitement coming from uh, uh, mostly Gator fans right now around here. Yeah, and they'll have their coach, despite his supreme go from last yeah. Saturday night in Gainesville. Dan Mullen will, in fact, get to coach. Now, some Missouri players will be suspended for the first half of Missouri's game against Georgia a week from Saturday, but not Dan Mullen after his <laughs> uh, whatever you want to call that yeah. at midfield on Saturday night uh, at Florida Field. But um, you're right. We look back at last weekend, and for these Georgia Bulldogs, uh, there was a toll. There was a price to be paid on the defensive side of the ball in that win over Kentucky, an impressive performance once again defensively for Georgia. But as we talked about here on the show yesterday, whether you're talking about the defensive line, the linebacker level, even the secondary, 
Georgia took some hits there, and then to get home from the game, and then Richard yeah. LeCount ends up in a situation uh, with a motorcycle accident, which by all accounts, he's this guy's lucky to still be with us, Brent. Well, he really is, and that was really fortunate. I, I mean, it was basically an hour, Trav, after they got back and landed. So uh, glad that he is better. Now, now, I do want to get the injuries, but, 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 but one thing I do want to toss out here, which I think is worth mentioning, certainly for your listeners, Trav, is that not a, uh, a, a bit of a caution for Alabama fans to be aware that, look, this Kentucky team may not have the record as we thought they might at this point, but that's a physical football team, and uh, that very much took its toll on Georgia. So uh, I, I think with that Kentucky game coming up, uh, that's already worth for Bama fans, and, and uh, you know the coaches already will be in, in aware of it. That's a very physical football team. It is, but it's also a football team that can't score right now. And so, uh, Christian Rodriguez, I love the guy at the running back position. He had a 100-yard game against Georgia. But the quarterback situation right now is dysfunctional between either Terry Wilson or Joey Gatewood. And to be fair to those guys, there aren't playmakers really anywhere on that offense. It is a good offensive line. It's a good, solid defensive team. It is. Uh, But in today's game, man, it's just unrealistic to think that you know, you can win 10 to 7. Now, they tried right. their damnedest right. against Georgia, and Georgia, you know, obliged. I think Kirby was yeah. – after Kirby probably saw Jeremy in Tennessee against Kentucky and said, the one thing we're not going to do is lose this game, right. which is what Tennessee effectively did in Knoxville. And so it was a conservative approach by Georgia. But with that, you know, it's going to take more than 13 pass attempts this week, isn't oh, it, from oh Georgia oh to God. beat this Florida team? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. In a dovetail, what you've been saying, uh, uh, we mentioned Richard LeCount, but Julian Rochester, who provides certainly a lot of depth for them on the defensive line, is out for several weeks uh, with an ACL that they're still reevaluating George Pickens for that pectoral muscle. So, uh, And then they've got some other guys, Jordan Davis, Quay Walker, who are uh, beat up uh, somewhat too. After that game, and it, and it taken its toll, uh, I think probably, uh, Trav, you've got a couple of ways of looking at this game. One is uh, they they threw the ball with Stetson in it 40 times against Alabama, only ran it 30. That did not work. Uh, that they've at least got to uh, reverse that. And there's no question this is a this can be a susceptible Florida defense. They played better against Missouri. At this point, uh, but look, the, the thing, if I'm a Georgia fan, the thing that's concerning me at this point, Trev, is is why is Georgia at this point of their season with your Eastern Division title that uh, hangs in the balance and you've, you've really only got to depend on Stetson Bennett and how he plays, which he can do a good job as a game manager but can he make plays like you're talking about in order to beat florida and and if you're kirby that's not a good place to be is it well it's tough too because you still haven't answered the question really more so from a year ago of your playmakers at the receiver spots with with pickens out i know kiris jackson has emerged as more of a slot guy 
But when you look at the Kentucky game, again, it's James Cook hitting a big play out of the backfield right. like he did against Alabama. Uh, Darnell Washington, the young tight end, is, is going to be a really good player. He had a 33-yard catch, and that was pretty much the extent of it. You had yeah. a 46-yard catch by a back and a 33-yard catch by a, a, uh, a tight end. And, you know, that's 79 of your 131 passing yards, receiving yards in the game. That's not sustainable. It's not. And so, uh, you know, you're going to have to do more, I think, even as early as this week against this Florida team. And so when we look around the rest of the league, I got to ask you, which was more indicative of a true picture of where a team is at in that LSU-Auburn game from last Saturday? Is that really what we should expect from Auburn moving forward uh, is, is this kind of, was this more along the lines of this is what this LSU team is this year, or was it somewhere in the middle? Uh, it's probably somewhere in the middle, but I would say it's probably more uh, with the LSU situation, uh, but particularly with the uncertainty they've got at quarterback. Now, Miles Brennan comes back that that will certainly help them. And certainly in fairness, uh, you've got, uh, Finley Trout that basically by the time he gets off the bus, they've got a pick six in a scoop and score. And the way they were playing or not playing on offense, uh, that was virtually the game at that point. But I, I think what really concerns me, I've had several media people mention this, and I'm curious if you saw the same thing, is uh, th- there's some thought that LSU quit in that game, uh, which – uh, is a real problem. And the other thing that's becoming very evident, Trev, uh, is there a worse hire in the league than Bo Pelini, a D coordinator for LSU? You know, I, I couldn't really tell if it was just ineptitude or effort as that game moved along on the defensive side of the ball for LSU because in so many ways they look unprepared. They, they do. Uh, but then – in terms of just like one-on-one situations, okay, where it's just football and it's time to compete, let's say out on the perimeter and you got a defensive back against a wide receiver and you got to get off a block, you got to get physical, you got to set an edge out there and you got to make a play in space one-on-one. That's where LSU just looked uh, baby bottom soft to yeah, me absolutely. against Auburn. Not so much even inside the tackle box. They had their problems there too. But in the edges, and we talk about, again, DBU we're talking about here. Oh, yeah. And to perform as poorly as they did in that game, I thought it was uh, even understanding the transition and the attrition from a year ago, uh, pretty pretty alarming to see this, this LSU defense at that point. I'm going to make the case. I'm going to make the case for Vanderbilt and Mississippi State this Saturday <laughs> being a huge game, and I'm going to tell you why. It is a huge game for Mississippi State because it may yeah. be the last opportunity this team has to win a game this season. Yep, that's correct. But it's big because your in-state rival and its new head coach in Lane Kiffin dropped 50-plus on Vandy on the road last week and won by, what was it, 28, something like that, 24 points. 28, I think it was, over Vandy. So if you're Mike Leach in your state, after what? Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss did to Vandy last week, you better take care of business at home on Saturday afternoon. Uh, three touchdowns in the last four games for Mississippi State. Trav, I, I would, I'm curious if you saw the same thing, but uh, I, I was amazed at how inept 
uh, the Mississippi State quarterbacks were. Uh, yeah. no, 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 look, I give Bam a lot of credit. The, the the defense stepped up, and they got some pressure. But the state offensive line obviously struggling too. I, I still think Kylan Hill not playing hurt them desperately this year because he would have also helped them coming out of the uh, the backfield and probably would have been a life preserver for uh, those quarterbacks at this point. Now, obviously, Vanderbilt is struggling to say the least too. Uh, but I would agree with you that 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 is this is a uh, pivotal game for state. Uh, hopefully they won't uh, lose any more players this week. Uh, Leach obviously has got a, a lot of roster management to do, but I, I, I was I, I was somewhat surprised uh, at at how um, and now the state quarterbacks were in trying to get the ball to their receivers. Yeah, I had to preview the game obviously from the Alabama perspective and doing some matchups. So. I had to suffer through some of these yes. <laughs> uh, Mississippi State performances against primarily Texas A&M, but even some of Kentucky and Arkansas. And it, it was amazing to watch because typically, you know, once you get figured out, you make an adjustment or you're mm-hmm. able to adjust yeah. and sort of at least overcome it. But since that Arkansas game in week two, and we saw Arkansas go to a lot of zone coverage, rush three, and just really handle uh, state, it, it, it hadn't changed much. It really hadn't, and we saw more zone from Alabama. And when you don't have a between-the-tackles threat, kind of a zone buster, right? Sure. If people are going to play two deep safeties against you, you got to be able to run the ball. And State either can't or won't, especially with Kylan Hill gone now. So the, the, the problems for Leach in that offense right now are about threefold. He doesn't have a legitimate run game to get teams out of zone coverage and then he doesn't have a quarterback either that can hurt teams with their legs you know when given the opportunity so uh, it's a mess right now over in Starkville look Texas A&M I thought last weekend maybe the most impressive performance Mm -hmm. in the SEC taking care of business against a surprising Arkansas team but still even with that and the Aggies now at number seven in the polls what's your trust level Brent in this team going to South Carolina uh, on Saturday night? Uh, very low. Uh, <laughs> because, uh, and we Trav, we see this every year, don't we? We see a game every year where Jimbo just has a clunker. And at the same time, we see a game every year with all their dysfunctionality that must champ in South Carolina, like we saw last year against Georgia, right? Well, we'll rise up uh, and uh, look like the the New England Patriots of a few years ago, uh, and and not do anything wrong. So, uh, but I, I mean, I agree with you. Mond is uh, been there long enough now to where he's breaking some of Johnny Manziel's record. Um, Spiller continues to look good. I mean, they're number one in the nation in third down conversion percentage almost 60 percent which is certainly uh, a feather in Jimbo's cat uh, cap what Wattemeyer I think's a good receiver is a uh, is a tight end and and Elko's defense I think has been playing pretty well uh, uh, but again what I want to see and I'm sure you do too is do we believe in them in November 
uh, when they have struggled the way they have over the last years with Kevin Sumlin and now with um, the situation with Jimbo. So, uh, I mean, Trev, they they should win this game on paper going away, but uh, but, but can we say with what we've seen in the past, that still leaves a lot of question marks in this game, doesn't it? Yeah, it was good Kellen Mond against Arkansas <laughs> last Saturday. Will we see good right. Kellen Mond on the road? And you've seen South Carolina already this year knock off an Auburn uh, there at williams Price Stadium. So I'm kind of with you there. I, 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 I acknowledge that A&M looks more steady going into the month of November than what we've seen in, say, the last seven or eight years, but uh, still not totally there in terms of the uh, tr- trustworthy nature of the Aggies. Um, Tennessee at Arkansas. Tennessee coming off a much-needed bye week. Uh, South Carolina, much the same in hosting A&M. Uh, boy, I think if you're Tennessee, you're a Tennessee fan before the season, you looked at this one as well. Yeah. We'll get a W in oh, yeah. Fayetteville and, and keep it rolling. But Tennessee now at two and three on the season, losers of three in a row. Arkansas trying to right the ship after the road loss at A&M. Who do you like here? Do you like Arkansas in this game? Probably. I, I mean, Arkansas gave A&M a bit of a run, uh, but they just don't have the players yet at this point. Uh, Franks is playing okay. Uh, I think at this point, uh, Rakeem Boyd was back, and, and they need him, so he was going uh, with that too. They've got to be better on third down. Uh, I think what you're beginning to see for them, uh, Trav, is they they just don't have the roster that Pittman will have on down the line, and I think the fatigue is showing to them, especially with uh, probably tackling a&M as it went along uh, but but look when you're if you're Jeremy in Tennessee Trav during the month of November don't you want to leave that month uh, regardless of your record feeling better about who your quarterback's going to be I think there's no doubt about it and you look at Arkansas in that A&M game offensively the numbers look great I mean Frank's throws really? for 239 and three touchdowns doesn't have a pick you said it, Rakeem Boyd looks to be healthy once again, 100 yards rushing against A&M, 5.6 per carry. Franks ran for 91 yards in the game. Uh, Trey Burks with a solid game, 117 yards receiving with two uh, touchdown catches. So, you know, if I had told you those were going to be some of the stat lines for Arkansas players offensively going into that A&M game, you'd like their chances pretty good. Again, Arkansas ran into a good Kellen Mond. Now, that's yeah, subject to change did. on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but when you look at this Tennessee team and some of its weaknesses, uh, it matches up pretty good for Arkansas right now. In other words, if Tennessee can't run the ball from the outset Saturday night in Fayetteville Correct. and Barry Odom's able to employ those own looks and get them into third and long, you can only imagine what the potential is for Jared Guarantano. Uh, against some of those opportunities. So I'm going to go with Arkansas there as well in that one. Hey, uh, Brent, as we let you go here, uh, Alabama at the bye week, 6-0, second-ranked team in the country. Mac Jones showing up at the top of Heisman Trophy odds list now, the Jacksonville native from the bowl school right down there in Jacksonville. Uh, what part of this team do you feel like maybe is a little ahead of schedule and then perhaps an area that you think might be a little bit behind? 
Well, I still go back. Uh, it, <coughs> defensively, they've made a lot of progress. Uh, and uh, <coughs> their tackling in space, I think, has improved considerably against Tennessee uh, and also last week against State, particularly compared to what it was against Ole Miss. I think the kicking game is better. Uh, I, I've I would say the punting is still an area that still needs some improvement, although uh, I think it has gotten better, too. <clears throat> I think people can't get too overconfident about beating State, uh, which State's, State right now is up there with Vanderbilt as far as ineptitude in a lot of ways yeah. uh, at this point. But <clears throat> I, I, I think still – they need they need to continue to play more players. The young players getting into the game, I think, has been tremendous. Malachi Moore, Brian Branch, Will Anderson, uh, Tim Smith, I think, is going to be a monster before it over. The Burris kid, uh, I, I was also impressed with. So uh, I I think punting is something that that needs to improve uh, at this point. But and and really glad to see and they've got a. They've got to go beyond uh, Najee, who who basically is, <clears throat> and again, the thing that impressed me about Najee is this continued improvement we catching out of the backfield, mm. uh, and and also is picking up the blitz. I I I still I I I know we I know we talk about this a lot, and and I I hope people appreciate this. I I don't know. I'm sure maybe there are. There aren't many backs better, Trav, in my opinion, at picking up the blitz and Najee. And, and uh, is, that the, is that the part of his game that maybe has improved the most? Yeah, and it has to because at Alabama it's not optional. You, know, no. you don't get no. to play if you don't pick up the blitz. And that goes back to Burton Burns sure it does. Uh, and, and what he sort of established in terms of the expectation at that position. And Charles Huff has certainly done a nice job uh, in his time here. Uh, at the at the running back spot and same thing for the wide receivers you know I keep getting asked about all these young mm-hmm. wide receivers well will they block you know yeah. that's my first yeah. you know you that's know right. it's kind of like outside linebackers you know edge defenders they yeah. get here because you know they can rush the passer but can they set right. an edge right. on first down against the run sure you, know, you, you have to be able to do more than you can't be a one-trick pony and some of the things that don't get noticed as much that aren't as flashy they're weighed just as heavily by Nick Saban and the staff in terms of your, uh, your your upside as a as a reps guy, as a rotational guy. So, yeah, I think uh, Najee, and you've seen it in the, each of the last two weeks, you've seen his receiving production go up with Jalen Waddell out. I don't think well, that's a coincidence either. It, 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 let me say this real quick. I, I think we've seen the same thing in Mac Jones. I, I, I think – I think where Mac started was with Corky Rogers, and and it's the things that people don't talk about that much. Check out of a a a, a bad play into a good one uh, to just do the the little things at times that and to be unflappable. Uh, and and Sark has taken him and improved on that. Uh, that those are the things, Trav, that that you and I have followed for years and people just don't talk about and makes these guys to have an opportunity to be, uh, you know, we, we, he, when the Heisman, we don't know, but uh, I, I still say he's at that position because of what he's learned from his high school coach and his college coaches. And, and that is taken and he has improved steadily on it. 
Mac wins the Heisman, they're going to have to – they're not big into it at the bowl school in Jacksonville if you've never <laughs> been there. They're not big on like – No, they're not. You know, they're not big on you know prominently displaying Absolutely. alums, especially no. from an athletic perspective. Chipper Jones, That's right. of course, is a product of the bowl school. Yes. When you drive by the bowl school, the baseball field is right there on San Jose Boulevard, which is like a – it's a six, five, six lane, you know, major thoroughfare through uh, Jacksonville right there. And there, there's no like, you know, big sign of Chipper or home of Chipper no. Jones or no. high school home. So uh, we'll see. Might be a couple. Talk about keeping up with the Joneses. How about Mac and Chipper Jones from the uh, same but, place down there? But but I'll tell you what, Trav, what is prominent? Those state titles are prominent, <laughs> right? Yeah, they have them on a wall over there That's at right. Barco Stadium. They absolutely do. And then they also have, you know, as much as anything about the bowl schools, the swimming program. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about oh, several yeah. gold medalists that have come out of that swimming program. And people associate it mostly the athletic program at bowls with football and even baseball and understandably so. Um, but when you enter, when you enter the bowl school campus, if you get in there at say, if you went into the bowl school campus at five o'clock in the morning, yeah. you would see swimmers in the pool. <laughs> Absolutely, I mean, uh, Kids come oh, yeah. from all over the world to swim there yeah. at the bowl school. Well, Brent, always good stuff. Uh, have fun down there, I guess. It's going to be different this weekend with the cocktail party, but uh, we look forward to your reaction to that and everything else in SEC football coming up next week. Thanks, Brent. Can't wait, bud. Take care. There he goes, Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News. More of Southern Pride Sports on a Tuesday right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after the bye. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. FM, Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Thanks again to Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News taking us around the Southeastern Conference. Not exactly a full schedule coming up this weekend in the league, but uh, you got a nice main event, don't you? Top 10 matchup there of the Georgia Bulldogs and the Florida Gators. The world's largest outdoor socially distanced cocktail party. We're going to have pops on Friday. You talk about some war stories from a rivalry game. You've heard pops on here before talk about Florida, Georgia. 
as a young person, vividly recall Pops losing bets as a Florida fan when Vince Dooley was running roughshod over his Gators. Pops lost a couple of bets that entailed him walking home from the stadium in downtown Jacksonville. <laughs> ah, Pops. Pops in that previous life. Pops is really, you know, Pops is, he, he's gone from Gino, as he was known, to kind of Eugene in his, uh, in his golden years here. He settled down quite a bit. He'll still be fired up about Saturday. I'm interested to get his take on Dan Mullen after Saturday night because, you know, Pops, he had already uh, assigned a demerit or two to Danny's status as the Florida coach following the nutty press conference after the loss to Texas A&M. Be interested to see where Pops has Dan Mullen these days after his uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan run-in just before halftime or leading up to halftime of that Florida-Missouri game on Saturday night. We'll do that with Pops coming up on Friday. You know, I was trying to find sort of some ticket prices for the upcoming weeks. We like to do that here with the ticket man on the program. We'll get to Rusty's uh, upcoming home dogs with teeth, by the way, uh, tomorrow or Thursday. But I like to get into those ticket prices. I couldn't find on StubHub, I couldn't find inventory. For Florida and Georgia, I got to think just incredibly tough when you're looking at what 20,000 or so in there on Saturday for the Gators and Dogs. Yeah. So I uh, couldn't find them. I did find some early prices for Alabama and LSU. If you're planning or you're thinking about making the trip to Baton Rouge, StubHub this morning, including fees, all right? For a pair of tickets for Alabama LSU, uh, your cheapest get-in was like 118 That's not bad. It's not bad for LSU when everybody can get in there. But with limited capacity, 118 and we still have, what, 10 or so days to go until kickoff there between the Crimson Tide and Tigers? I thought that was... Uh, that was good news, maybe, for fans looking to make the trips. Obviously, LSU fans not uh, not fired up right now after that absolute thumping at the hands of the Auburn Tigers last Saturday at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Going to step aside for a final break. When we come back, we'll put a wrap on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Side 100.9 FM right after this. Nothing but sunshine today. Tuscaloosa's high at 67 degrees. Tonight, not as cold as last night. Clear with a low at 40. And we stay dry tomorrow and Thursday. The sky's sunny both days. Highs ranging from 71 to 74 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. segment of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports, an election day edition. 
So there, of course, is your playlist theme. Little Alice Cooper to take us out on an election day Tuesday. Uh, you've got the professional golf this weekend on the PGA Tour. Some Alabama representation out in Houston as we ramp up. We get you ready for finally the 2020 plane of the Mastis Tournament in Augusta, Georgia. The weekend after this, you're going to have Michael Thompson and Robbie Shelton, a couple of former Alabama standouts, going to be in the field in Houston. Dustin Johnson going to play this week. Phil Mickelson, two-time Masters champion in the field in Houston. So uh, interesting to see who decides to play this week among the field members for the Masters next week. I was looking at the weather for Augusta for late next week because just an entirely different setup, you got to think, in terms of how that golf course is going to play in comparison to early April. And, uh, you know, I've seen and heard from some of the the golfers that uh, it's going to be narrowed to the big hitters even more so than it usually is because probably going to be wet. And it looks like, based on the weather forecast for next week, could be some rain. It's already going to be moist this time of year. Could be some rain in Augusta, Georgia, that day, late next week. So uh, you talk about potential winners. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, he obviously comes to mind. Nobody hitting it further right now than Bam Bam. Uh, Brooks Kepka, if he's healthy. Uh, you can't discount Tiger on that golf course, man. Tiger's not playing great golf this year, and especially since the restart. But that's his backyard, Augusta National. I mean, we saw it just last year, 2019. So it's hard to take into account form with Tiger Woods when we're talking about that venue, that track, because, uh, as we know, very, very comfortable there at Augusta National Golf Club. That's going to do it for a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. As always, we appreciate Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News joining us here on the program as we took you around Southeastern Conference football. Jacob Harrison once again doing a outstanding job of keeping this show at least somewhat between the ditches. You know, it's impossible to keep it entirely on the road, but Jacob does a super job for us. And our lunch whistle on this Tuesday, man. I can't think of a better place on an election day to have lunch or dinner, dinner especially on a Tuesday, than Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. I'm sure they'll have the election coverage on. Probably not much in the way of live sports this evening anyway. But Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. It is a Tuesday. I know for a lot of you folks that means tacos. At Heat Pizza Bar, it means something even better. And that's $7 Thai chicken pizzas starting at 6 o'clock. $2 domestics as well. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Until 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Go vote if you haven't already. And have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.